Welcome, everybody, to episode 50 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Bo Richards. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I can't believe we made it to 50. I know. Holy cow. That was our goal. We done did it. We did a goal. Mom, I did good. <laughs> I'm super excited that uh, we get to have our uh, our big 50 with Sean, bringing uh, Sean back for another... Is this three? Four? Three. three. Yeah. yeah. And you're turning uh, 50, turning right? <laughs> I am turning 51. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how are you doing today, Sean? I'm I'm doing good, man. Yeah. I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Good. I'm glad. We're glad to have you on and uh, mm. celebrate this big moment for us. Oh, and I guess That's people huge. probably won't realize, but we're in a real live studio this time. Thought we'd uh, pull out the stops and do number 50 with a little style. I like so it. This is nice. We could actually see each other rather than doing Zoom calls. Uh, it's a first. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it's the very vibe. Nice. Yeah. It's a good deal. It's odd to uh, to be in person. I mean, we've grappled and stuff. Right. And so, like, but still just to like sit down and I like, guess my job at the moment. So it's kind of weird to like sit down and socialize with people still. I'm still getting used to like doing the socializing thing, like outside of, of jujitsu um, with people with, you know, I don't know if you guys feel any differently or not. It's, it's still like, it's still like a surreal thing for me where I'm like, oh, cool. Like I can do this. This is like a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's this uh, SNL uh, bit. Uh, we say it to each other at the house all the time because we're super awkward, you know? And so it's like, yes, I went to one dinner indoors and one dinner outdoors, you know, instead of talking on, it's great. So yeah, no, I, I feel it too, man. Yeah, it's uh, very nice. On my way here, I saw like four people wearing masks in their cars and I was like, I'm not going to be doing that in a podcast. <laughs> Nor am I going to do that in my car. So. <laughs> Well, it's kind of crazy with this, uh, the Delta variant kicking up, people getting all freaked out again. Sure. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's It's got me a little bit twisted, right? And just in the sense that, obviously, when the pandemic first hit, super cautious, do all the right stuff. And then fast forward a year, year and a half, finally got the vaccine, feeling better. Everything opens back up. And emotionally, have gone back and forth so many times with all just the drama over the last 18 months that i think it's i don't know it hits me different the whole delta variant of you know having to consider lockdowns and mandatory masks and all that stuff again um i don't know emotionally i feel a lot different about it now than i did the first time around you know it's like i don't know frustration is part of it for sure what's the what's the difference that you feel this time I think it, it's <clears throat> having been through a year and a half of listening to all the sides, all of the hypocrisy and the lying and the extreme emotions on both sides and also the, the political strife is just, I guess, I'm uh, emotionally fatigued with the whole thing. So it's it almost feels like an... Uh, um, an under response of sorts. And then I was like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And, you know, unless I have to put on a mask to go into a store or something, I'll respect a, a business's choice. And I would absolutely prefer that the government does not mandate that. And aside from that, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I'm kind of uh, running out of the emotional currency to get too concerned about it. Or not concerned, but too too wrapped up with it 
Yeah. Maybe I'm just getting used to it, I guess. I hear it. Seems to me that the, um, what's it, the Overton window? Is that the window where it like shifts when public perception shifts? Right. Um, you now you have a wide spectrum of people and their tolerance for risk and for, for anything. And you have people who have, want zero risk and people who don't give a shit, right? And so Hermits and Patrick Swayze from Point Break, right? And <laughs> jump out of a plane without a parachute, right? And um, That was Keanu. Is that Keanu? No, yeah. I thought they both did that, right? Nah. No, is that Keanu? No, okay, so, yeah, is, my yeah. bad. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Um, and so as I think we go through this and all the things you mentioned um, being problems, because they're all the problems that stack, the tolerance that people have is waning. And so yeah. what, what's considered acceptable day one, you know, March 18th or whatever of 2020, that that has moved. And so now we're at a point where it's like even normal people who have like moderate risk tolerances like myself are like, fuck it. Like I, I'm like, I'm almost at a point where I'm just like, I don't even, it's just irritating. Like I'm, I'm just emotionally drained. I'm, I, I'm like, I just say, I'm like, okay, here we go again. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm personally, I'm at a point where I was kind of going to be the last person to really go out and about because my main concern wasn't with myself. If you're just like, Hey, we're going to throw you out there. You do your life. And you know, you have a 50% chance of living. I'd be like, fuck it, you know? And, but when there's other people involved Mm -hmm. and there's responsibility there. It it is a completely different thing. And being able to get sick, even though that you're fully vaccinated and because things have shifted, I understand like, you know, they, they don't know everything. They're doing the best that they can or, you know, so they say, and then there's another side saying one other thing, but you know, just to keep this very simple, right. Um, you know, it is scary that, you know, the one thing they like you're trying to protect this whole time can just get ripped away from you again and it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, so me wearing a mask in a in a store for me, like I could give a shit. You know, it's like a little bit uncomfortable. The looks that you get, it's like, oh, you're one of the fucking sheep or whatever, you know, because I live out like by Monroe. So everybody's just, you know, fuck it, you know, yeah. America, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I don't mind that shit when people are looking at me sideways. I could care less, but I just want to make sure that, you know, when I come home, everything's good. Yeah. And I have no idea where this is about to head to because it seems like like the the other side of people are raising up big time and actually pointing the fe- finger more at the people that did get the vax, right? So yeah. it's it's a weird, weird time. I don't know what this is going to develop into. I don't either. I like that you, what you pointed out though, there's like this, because I, I feel very similarly, like I, if it was be, and I, me and my girlfriend have actually talked about this. It's like if, if I was by myself, like lived alone, was single, I would have, been grappling the day we shut down wouldn't have given a fuck would have found a gym that was open all day wouldn't have cared i'm young healthy got no com- comorbidities like i'm i eat well like i don't care it's like but i got responsibility like you know i i got a you know grand grandmother-in-law was 93 and at the time i had a grandfather-in-law and he passed during covid not from covid but he passed and it's like that's you know they're in their 90s they're high risk yeah you know, and it's like, we've talked about it. It's like, you know, I'm getting to a point where like, I'm just fed up, but I got responsibilities. You suck it up and you do it. 
even though I don't like it. But there's a lot of people that are like me who, if things keep progressing, that's a scary thing to contemplate. Like, what's going to happen? Because at some point, that responsibility will break. Yeah. Like, I mean, hopefully it doesn't. But, I mean, you, you have to seriously consider that. That you can't just keep poking people, right? And then hopefully, you know, and then they're just going to withstand it forever. Like, there's going to be a problem at some point. Yeah, it's a, it's crazy shit. And it, but it, it does make me appreciate being able to do things like this, though. Like, I'm glad that we can get together as friends and um, hopefully soon talk about uh, less intense things. And... Uh, <laughs> um, but it, like I like being that we can we at least have the ability to do this. You know, this is kind of yeah. the thing I think that we as a society lost, or as, as a world, I suppose, um, as a people lost for a whole year. You know, a lot of people missed out on this stuff, and that's hard. You know, it's pretty cool to be able to enjoy it again. And uh, it, the, you were saying, you know, it's nice to be in person. It's like, well, laughter in person is way different than laughter via Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, like Absolutely. it's, it's totally different. Um, Sean's belly looks way different in real life than it does via Zoom as an example. <laughs> <laughs> I was just fucking up <laughs> Damn. <laughs> just messing right. with you. Please don't kill me soon. <laughs> oh, phone point taken. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to roll suit. You're just going to smash the shit out of me. <laughs> but no, you're right though. It's, and you know, I, to be perfectly honest, my, my lifestyle really didn't change all that much from the yeah. pandemic kind of a hermit live alone just me and my dog um but when i do want to go see my friends and see them in person to have that taken away even as a, an admitted introvert uh, it sucks yeah. you know so i definitely have a greater appreciation for it now uh just to have the opportunity to see people yeah uh, yeah I was thankful yeah, too. My sure. my day to day didn't change too much outside of like doing jujitsu classes themselves. Like during the day, um, it, it's been the same. I've had to find stuff to do so I don't go crazy. But I was working from home, doing stuff for the gym at the time, and but just kind of kept doing that, and then do, just found stuff to stay busy. I'm self motivated, so I didn't go off a deep end. I, but. Uh, yeah, lo losing the exercise was hard. I was like, after like two days, I was like, well, I'm going to start working out. So <laughs> looked up dumbbells and they're like $500 a dumbbell is something crazy. Like, you, oh, yeah, they were sold out for a bit for yeah, a long time. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, the, you know, the Facebook algorithms pointed me towards resistance bands and they're like 20 bucks. And I'm like, I can make this work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Easier like, on the joints. Yeah, easier on the, on the joints. joints. I got a key to the gym, so I was just downstairs at the bottom level working out for a year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when you hear about, like, these old school guys talking about, like, they go into Japan and, you know, they walk into some dojo and, uh, you know, there's just some beast there doing something crazy. You know, you hear these stories, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because... Uh, I hadn't grappled with Bo in a really long time, right? And uh, I was just doing like house training pretty much with like a couple buddies. And I remember walking up to the, through the parking lot and the door to, to the gym was open and the other side was open. And I just see this bald buff white dude like with his shirt off <laughs> just hurling this this uh this crash dummy thing whatever you call him a grappling dummy or whatever and just like 
like hip throwing it like straight into the ground, like as hard as you possibly could. And just, you know, and just, just uh, hammering down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I haven't even stretched. <laughs> this guy is like 45 minutes in and is like ready to kill people. And, uh, and I was like, what's up, Bo? And he's like, <laughs> I, I, I did not look at you like that. That's what it felt like. I was like, oh man, this is going to be a rough day. That's what my smile looks like. It's, it's the glare of death. Yeah. Yeah. I bought a, um, a 55 pound a speed dummy. And we have a, we had like a 90 pound one at the gym. Well, we had a 90 and a 100 pound one. I broke both. <laughs> Easy there, Tiger. Yeah, this was intense, man. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair though, um, both of them were already missing. One of them was missing an arm that I didn't do that to. It was one of the kids from like two years ago. It was like a week into the dummy. One of the kids, uh, I f forget her name, but she arm barred it and like ripped the arm off. And then they never sent it back to get a new one because they should have. But and then I accidentally ripped the other arm off. Um, Accidentally. And. Mm. Uh, trying to do judo throws like one arm you know just like and uh it ended up ripping it off and then the other one i ripped the the hand of it off and had to duct tape it and then ended up ripping the arm off <laughs> and but they're heavier too and like i was trying to learn the throws and it's it's harder to learn a throw on a, a grab even like the 100 pound dead weight dummy is heavy to lift sure. and it's also about six feet tall and so it's taller than me, or it's about my size. Maybe it's a little bit shorter. It's about five nine, five ten. And so, like, and if they don't bend, like figuring out how to do like hip throws and stuff is not easy right. to do it right. And I was like, well, let's buy like a smaller one, a speed, a speed one, fifty five pound one, and it made it a whole hell of a lot easier to figure out. Because like, you know, I'm doing it on my own. I'm like pulling up a video of Travis Stevens like destroying people. I'm like, how do I figure this out? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, and then I started to learn that like if you want to throw properly, you got to roll into it and and then you walked in on me doing like landing on the dummy and you know, doing it right yeah it was it was intense man i haven't, <laughs> I haven't. and uh yeah so uh, there's um you know light inserts in the basement of our gym and there's i don't know 20 or whatever right and uh, there's into the drywall in the ceiling and i was throwing it upstairs and the dummy all the, the, most of the time and I went downstairs once, to forget why, and like three or four of the fixtures had like fallen out of the ceiling. Jeez. Is that because you were thumping on the ground above? Yeah. I had to like, I had to basically do it in a corner where it wouldn't happen. Otherwise they would just like fall out and I have to go put them back into place. So um, I haven't thrown any, any like person, I don't think, um, like any real person. I, I tried to throw like one of the youth and it didn't work well. Like they, they like, I didn't do it hard, but they like flew up into the air. It was in like, I like landed over. It was like really awkward because they're like 80 pounds and like I was expecting them to give more resistance. And so when I like <laughs> hipped into them to do a hip toss, like they just like kind of flew for me and I like fell over awkwardly because there was like, I wasn't hanging on to any, it was, it was really, and I was like, I'm going to kill someone if I do this. So I need to find someone my size <laughs> going through killing all the younglings. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to like just try it with someone who I knew I could do it on fairly easily someone who's like 90 pounds and doesn't know what's going on like i could i could do it nicely and not hurt them and and apparently not <laughs> i had a similar experience with a, a training partner I, I might have told this story but basically we were drilling a uh like a duck under go behind mm -hmm. and then lift and put them down 
And the guy was, you know, a little bit shorter, but a bit bigger than me. So roughly my same size. And I just immediately was like, well, don't, don't muscle it. You got to hip in, have good technique. Think like a kettlebell is what I'm in my head. And I popped this dude up way higher than I expected, which means I ended up kind of dumping him. Yeah. And I was immediately, oh, crap. Sorry, dude. It felt like he was 70 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I got the mechanics right. Uh, it was surprising. Yeah. Was like, and he, he, he didn't take it all that well. We, we didn't train anymore <laughs> that day. <laughs> wasn't happy. But yeah, yeah, it's a, that sucks when you over or underestimate what yeah. it would take. Overestimate? Overestimate. Yeah. This anyway. is why I want to get a crash pad for the gym so that I can do these kinds of things with people. and Seven-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> so that they're safe. I mean, their parents signed a liability waiver, like it's fine. <laughs> But and they're good. they're seven. Like their ribs are gonna regrow. Like it's okay. Like they everything's good. But I definitely want a crash pad so that they don't die. I'm not. You know, I like them. I want them to come back. And uh, I also just think it would be good for them to learn how to throw each other. Yeah, it would be nice to have a crash pad. In there, yeah, in all and, seriousness. Though. Well, and then people could learn how to fall and learn how to throw with a little bit of power. And um, I'm fine with kind of like you know, the, the common ways to show in jiu-jitsu how to do throws, like, to start. Like, I think it's fair to, like, slowly lift and slowly turn. Like, sometimes you need to be careful with this stuff, but it's, like, I don't see any reason to, like, not, like, okay, well, now that you have this, like, let's actually throw somebody and let's see what happens if you turn really quickly and you add your arms into it and, like, you really learn how to hip in and you land on them because you should land on them. I don't, like, that's what you should do. Also, no. just mat returns. Yeah. yeah, you know, just mat return something real basic, you know, that you don't need the gi for. It's mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just stuff that you should know. But like landing on your knees over and over, it just sucks. Yeah. No, very, very true. And it's um, it's also like, especially with like how hip throws in particular are done. You often like lift and then you turn and then you drop them as you're like bent over. Mm-hmm. And it's just like an awkward position, like in the situation where I like hip tossed one of the youth. Um, like that's kind of what happened is like I was like I can't land on them because they're tiny and so like I was like head past my knees and they were like way lighter than I thought so like I like came super far forward and like almost fell and then when they fell I actually landed on them when I didn't want to because like I they were just like not where they were supposed to be and they're in the rafters <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like what the heck like <laughs> come back here <laughs> just like <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh my gosh. This was, uh, um, it was Caden, Ken's oldest. Okay. And it was their, we probably don't need to get too specific with people's names and stuff. Fair. <laughs> it's their first day back. Oh, welcome back. She was fine with it. It was not a big deal. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, crash pad would be nice to, uh, just to kind of ease that sort of, ease people into it too, because then you'd like know what it's like to get thrown. And it's not going to hurt as badly as if you're just getting tossed directly into a mat over and over and over again, you know. Yeah. And um... Sean, I know what I wanted to ask you. Um, mm. We had talked a little bit offline about uh, DDS and Danaher Death Squad, and you made a comment that this is a short-term thing, which I wasn't quite sure what to make of that because I hadn't heard anything to that uh, to that effect. So, can you expound upon that? Um, you know, I'm just speculating speculating that. Uh, I think that they're going to join forces again here pretty soon. Okay. Um, you know, the, the guys that stayed back, 
Uh, I can only name right now Nikki and uh, Ethan. I can't remember who else stayed back. But, <clears throat> you know, Nikki's hurt right now, right? So it kind of makes sense for him to be in a place where he can rehab, be warm, mm -hmm. and not that Texas isn't warm, but be in paradise while he's rehabbing, right? And uh, finish out whatever they have going on. Uh, and then also, he he's not going to fly out, you know, every month to compete at who's number one right now, right? And I don't know if Ethan is either. So it kind of makes sense for them to kind of stay there, stay in paradise, keep training, build up the the guys that are there, um, and hone your skills. And then in that time, I believe Danaher and Gordon are setting up the gym, you know, so it's like they're able to keep on training, like, like hard or rehabilitating. Um, after everything's set up, I'm pretty sure that they're, they're going to just come back. I can't see Nikki or Ethan moving away from Danaher at all. I think that it was just like a, you know, it was just all for show pretty much. Keep okay. their name hyped. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And you're talking about Nikki Ryan, not Nikki Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki Ryan. What happened to him? I didn't know he was injured. Yeah. So he, he got, so who was he going against? It was a, a wrestler, uh, got, uh, Tackett. Was it Tackett? I think it was Tackett. Mm -hmm. um, William Tackett. Yeah, William Tackett, yeah. And uh, I think it was it was kind of crazy because he was getting the better of the exchanges in the wrestling because he was heavy collar tying him to the point where William started uh, heavy collar tying back. And as soon as he did, uh, Nikki would sit guard and which makes it hard for you to collar tie hard, right? Because um, your level's so low. <clears throat> so uh, what Nikki started doing is wrestling up, and he took him down, I think, like three or four times or something like that with just clean doubles, like insane doubles. But I think the the last one, he got stuck and he had dead toes, and there was a weird force where like his leg was stuck on the mat, and he was mm -hmm. trying to pop up, and something something went... Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So that was in competition. They think it happened. Yeah. That was training. Okay. Yeah. Like immediately they, they separated and, uh, you know, they slap bump or whatever when they reset. And even though that Nikki was winning the, the standing position, he opted to actually just sit down and everybody's like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, Nikki's hurt. Oh, okay. This is ringing a bell now. Okay. I watched it somewhat peripherally uh, when it was, who's number one, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 So he got actually, okay. Yeah. Didn't he realized got, he got hurt in that. Okay. Yeah. He got hurt pretty bad. Yeah. I thought that he was going to, he was going to take that one home because I mean, he was just beating the hell out of Tackett. Um, you know, but, uh, Ethan, you know, he just got darsed by, uh, one of the Rotolos. So, uh, maybe some of his deep escapes need to be worked on better. You know, that might be something. I mean, Gordon was giving him shit the whole time. He's like, you know, you know, one day you're going to learn how to escape a fucking Darce, you know, <laughs> something like that. You know, he just, he's just ruthless to everybody online, you it. know? Yeah. It's super funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think this is going to be a permanent thing. I don't think anybody wants to move away from Dana or any of that stuff. I mean, that's their, that's their guy. I thought yeah. I was thinking it was possible that personality differences might have just driven them apart. I mean, I'm not there. I mean, yeah. but uh, 
my understanding of what they do is basically Danaher taught them the fundamentals, right? And then after that, he can start building systems, but he asks the room to basically get together and basically say, you know, this is a big hole in our game. And I want all of you guys to work together to actually figure this out. And then he sits on the sidelines and he watches all of these different things, because even though that you have your main group working with you, you have all these side groups watching and then doing that. And Danaher's watching the room and then he's saying the next day, okay, this is what we're doing this day to get an inch closer to what the goal is, right? So it's a, it's a collective, right? So to, to miss out on half of your collective, I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, That's very interesting. Um, it's an interesting way to approach teaching too. Yeah. It's uh, obviously effective. Yeah. It flies against the, the current wisdom of how to at least teach jujitsu properly too, which is to play to people's strengths. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of been the collective way to teach for forever. It's like, you know, well, there's the fundamentals first off, what, however you want to define those. And then it's okay, well, this is what you're good at. This is what you're good at. And then Atos has 15 guys that do 15 different things. And it's wrong to take everyone and essentially teach them one thing. That's not technically what he's doing, but, by comparison, that's what they're doing. And uh, and yet he's just like, well, that's dumb. I'm just, we're just going to destroy everyone while doing this, you know. And because their personalities and their styles still come out anyways. Right. Right. They, they all do things very similarly um, foundationally, but then they all have their different, um, the things that they like to do best, they incorporate into those, uh, those specifics, right? It's a, um, a very fascinating way to... Uh, to approach teaching that I don't think that uh, at least the jujitsu world hasn't seen yet, but I don't know if there's many other ways people that have seen it either. It's a very other sports and things. It's very unique. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, very unique. Yeah. I I also like that. It kind of gives the, the a team or whatever you want to call it. It gives them that, that voice like, Hey, you know, we're, we're on the level now, you know, like let's, let's talk about it. Like obviously, you know, I'm quarterbacking this, but, you know, let's figure this out. You know, this, this is a hole. So let's, let's actually figure it out. And I need you guys to figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's great. I can say that, uh, having listened to interviews, I think with both, uh, Gordon and Nikki, it seems that the, the team vibe is stronger than any of the other gyms that, that I've been able to tell. Of course, I'm not there, but the way they talk about the teamwork mm-hmm. seems above and beyond just the standard, you know, go team or autos or, or whatever. Um, and they, like, they really mean it. And that, that makes sense with what you're saying in terms of how everybody is effectively working together to figure out a specific problem. And Dan and her can sit on the side and glean all of the little nuggets that pop up as people are exploring all these different things and combine it all so it's like if if it's just you and you're working on a problem for a technique then you're working in real time you can just work on what you can work on but if you've got all of your other training partners doing the exact same thing it multiplies the chance of getting a new idea or a refinement uh and and dan is there just to scoop that up and then share it with everybody else that's a powerful technique 
Yeah. 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 I mean, if you've got 20 guys on the mat, I mean, instead of just doing your one physical rep, you're, you're able to do, you know, 10 mental reps, right? Yeah. Right. in the same amount of time. So that's, I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, it's, I'd be curious to hear, uh, Danaher's philosophy on how he, um, how he constructs that, how he maintains it and, uh, just his, his general goals for it, because particularly, you know, something like jujitsu, it's not a team sport. At the end of the day, everybody's, you know, out for themselves, at least in terms of the competition. Um, so to be able to foster such a, a unified and, um, uh, synergistic space like that. I mean, obviously, yeah, it, it's effective. So I'd be, I, I would, I would buy the DVD if Danaher put out a teaching DVD. So not just techniques, but oh, yeah. how to teach jujitsu. Oh yeah. <clears throat> In fact, hopefully he does that at some point because that would, I imagine that would do really well. Uh, I think yeah. that, I think that uh, that's actually part of his affiliation. I think that that's what's going to be part of it, you know. Um, so, so um, pretty much all of his fundamentals for everything is almost shot. I, I mean, I think he's maybe halfway done, you know. But uh, for his affiliation, I think that they're going to do something where, uh, you know, in different associate associations, they have like the white to blue or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. He might teach it completely different. Like these are the 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 core values that we have and you're just going to teach them right i don't know whatever belt structure he's going to use but you know i'm sure it's going to be you know escaping systems you know triangle kimura arm bar you know uh, uh back and legs you know would be probably be the the core finishing systems and then standing pos position and you know gi no gi whatever um He's still making other stuff, but I would imagine that all of the new affiliates that they they would have that all of those um so that they have the right information that they're going off of and um I would assume that BJJ Fanatics or whoever is gonna be doing it would be easiest if it's under BJJ Fanatics to have also a curriculum for teaching. Yeah. And to make sure that they're on track because man, they do have, they have secret sauce, you know? Yeah. I don't know how much they're going to give out, but hopefully it's a lot. seems like Dan would be willing to give away a lot. I didn't even realize that, that he had an affiliate program. Is that kind of in the works or that's launched and there's gyms out there that are officially affiliated. So it's not officially launched yet. It's called new wave jujitsu. Um, and they're opening up their first gym in Texas right now. And they're, that's kind of what they're doing right now is laying all the groundwork for everything. Okay. Yeah. So this, this should be actually pretty big because they have a huge collection between him and Gordon and also Gary, right? Uh, and also Craig. You mm -hmm. know, they have a they have a huge collection of of stuff. So I don't know if like, you know, you buy into the affiliation and then you have all the videos or I don't know how it works. But um it's also a, a really good business cash grab at the same time because you know, uh Gordon is gonna be releasing a video every two months. That's 
that's kind of his thing, right? And he's making $300 per purchase, right? Just for the digital, from my understanding, right? So just to keep up with Gordon, right? You know, it's, I mean, and then you also have John who's selling his stuff at, you know, 200 or 250 bucks and he's coming out every other month, right? So now every month you have to keep buying these things. Like they, like... <laughs> And all of them are good. That's the yeah, pro- that's yeah, the pro- yeah. if they, if they're dog shit, it'd be a different thing. But they're all really good. So it's like, man, I, I feel like I'm missing out. And every time I I don't buy something, it's it's like uh, I I could have just learned whatever the problem is instead of being stuck for five years. Yeah. Mm. So, question: What do you think that you the secret sauce is? My, man, I'm not a genius. I mean, that guy that guy is. You know he. He's got, he, he has the site, he has the understanding on how to break things down that are complex problems into, you know, just little boxes basically for mm-hmm. people to, to understand, right? He, so I think that there's a, I don't want to expand on this too much because I'll just ramble for forever, but I think that him being able to give a specific technique to end something within five minutes versus going through years and years of YouTubing, going to different places to find all these little morsels to make it just a little bit better. He just shotguns you all the information to do it the best way possible the first time. Mm-hmm. So you have a, you have a complete understanding when, from the first time you step on the mat, this is exactly how you do it. This is actually how you do jujitsu correctly, the most efficient way. And everything outside of that is less efficient. Yeah. Is my understanding of it right now. I'm sure that in 20 years, there's going to be, you know, better ways of doing it. You know, there's been better ways just since he released his first leg locking DVD, you know, on how to heal hook somebody. There's better ways now. There's more, there's more options. People understand it better. It's out to the public. So, I mean, you have to adjust. I think uh, Gordon said that since his like guard passing DVD was out, he's already developed like light years ahead of that. And it was like released like a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. And but he was like talking shit about his own DVDs. Like it's, it's everything I'm doing now is just so beyond that. Like it's a joke. And it's like, really? Cause I mean, you're, you made everyone look like a joke doing that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and I think I'll, uh, near as I can tell, just having listening to him and uh, John Donner talk, is that they're very big proponents of uh, deliberate practice. Like, they're, they aren't just practicing for the sake of practicing, like going in and showing up and just doing stuff and hopefully it works. Mm-hmm. And then they do, they fall back on the things that they're quote unquote good at. And then, maybe athleticism will win the day. They're like, no, we're going to, they have the collective too. For, um, so you can tackle multiple problems at once, but it's, let's go down to the minutia and figure out exactly why this one thing is mechanically better than the rest. Right. You know? And then boom, everyone tackles it and goes over it again and again and again and again, progressively more resistance in different positions against better opponents over and over and over. And it's like, okay, we figured it out next and um and people don't train jujitsu that way i don't know why we've talked about this i think before on the podcast but 
jujitsu is like the only the only sport that I can that I can think of where people don't train that way. Like what I'm describing is literally how like all high end basketball, like all the, the top basketball players, NFL players, hockey players, football players, whatever. Um, they all soccer players. They all train this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jujitsu is like, well, I'm just gonna get in competition shape for three months and then go hang out on a beach and then come back and try again and then do it half-assed and run a gym in the middle. Like, yeah. Gordon Ryan, I think, correctly makes fun of all the, you know, I, I say this in an armchair, like, he, right. he, like, talks shit about all the other world champions, but um, for doing this kind of stuff, but it's like, it, they're valid criticisms. It's like, you can't just show up and think you're just going to win forever because you got in shape for the last three months. When some of us take this shit way more seriously, you know, like you look at Tom Brady, you know, the, you know, the football player, he's like like in his forties now and he's still kicking everyone's ass. And it's because he works 365 days a year. There's a, there was this video I saw of him. He, um, uh, one of those, uh, pitching machines throws a foot, uh, throws a football at him and he catches it. And then he throws it in between the wheels of the pitching machine and it shoots it back at him. And then, he, and then he throws it again. And goes into the machine, and it and it knocks the machine over, and the machine spits it out, and he catches it. <laughs> wow! Jeez, <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. I know, it, it, but it is. It reminds me of that because of how precise they are about everything, and uh, um, I, I I don't think that yet because they've they've said this on podcasts, like they've done. I think they both said this on Joe Rogan, in fact. And if not, I know they've said it elsewhere. They're this is what we do. And there's like, there's like a good amount of literature on this too, like on how to do this. And I, I still don't think people in the jiu-jitsu world understand like the full gravity of what it is that they're doing mm. and how. I mean, what was it Gordon said? He's like, uh, Joe Rogan asked him if she trains. He's like, seven days a week. Yeah, see you tomorrow. Yeah, he's yeah. like, see you tomorrow. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like, you know, John Donner comes in here with like two hip, two fake hips and two two fake knees and can barely walk and he's, still here to train or to teach us eight hours a day and he comes in seven days a week doesn't take christmas off he's like i feel like a dick if i don't come in yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good example of what you can accomplish uh, if you are willing to basically sacrifice everything else you make that your one primary focus above anything else in your life that's how you get to that world-class level yeah you know that makes me think i was talking to bo about this but i just saw the uh the season two first episode of Daisy Fresh <laughs> last night. And it's obviously a very different flavor, but still that same dedication. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys are in there and they are, you know, 100% all the time, super intense. The room, uh, and if nobody's seen the videos for Daisy Fresh, it's, you know, a small little gym. And there's so many people in there that it literally looks foggy or yeah. al- almost smoky. I mean, like, uh, reduced visibility amounts of fog just from folks in there sweating and steaming it up. The mats, I don't, I didn't see any dry spots on the mat. It was like literally the whole thing was wet, like a slip inside mm-hmm. and that nobody cares. They just keep training, keep training. And when they're done, they literally sleep on the mats. They pull out all their little mattresses mm-hmm. and, uh, that's it. Out of a laundromat with the ceiling caving in and, yep. Rats, Rats no, raccoons yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Electricity super... is only on half of it and the warm water. It used to be a laundromat, but the warm water doesn't work anymore. Okay. Oh, so gosh. it's just cold water. Yeah. 
So if you're willing to put up with that, if you're that dedicated, well, there's a with reason. Anything really, yeah. but in this case, jujitsu, then that's how you get to be world class. There's a reason that they're you know they just won pans as a team or what I think it was pans. They're right? dedicated for pans. Yeah, and they're, so like, but the the reason is because they're they're in there every day grinding it out like day in and day out and they're learning it isn't they're just there to like try one thing over and over again like they're actually learning new stuff and you can critique the stuff that they do and how they could do it better fine but you know you you train with that intensity and try and grow you're you're just you're going to proceed faster than everyone else um i heard kobe bryant say something he's like you get up at four and train from like five to seven and then i come home and rest and then train from nine to eleven and go and rest and eat a bit and do some stuff. And then I train from, you know, five to seven and then eat and then train from nine to nine to 10, nine to 11, go to bed, wake up within a couple of years. I've trained, you know, five, 10 times more than the nearest guy. So like, mm. I'm just on a different level, like period. Four yeah. days. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it's like, that's what they're doing. You know, they, they get up and do jujitsu and then they probably sleep during the day a bit cause they're exhausted or whatever, but they're like, that's, that's all they do. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Meow brothers do, or did. I don't know if they still do it, but I mean, and that's what the old Brazilians used to do. You hear those stories that they used to like sleep in their sleeping bags and stuff on the mats, and uh, and then they get up. And uh, um, but those are the ones who were also pushing the boundaries in the '80s and the '90s and the two, early 2000s mm -hmm. um, with the sport, is because no one else was doing that. And then uh, you'll see more evolutions because more people are going, more people are crazy enough to do it. Or I should say more dudes. It's, it's mostly got a, it tends to be men that do this sort of thing because we're insane. Um, Although, but, uh, the Daisy Fresh, a uh, couple of them got married on the mat. Oh, seriously? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they met, each other, met each other through training and that little wedding ceremony right there on the mat. Jesus. It's, I mean, it, you know, it makes sense. If, yeah. if both people are that dedicated to jiu-jitsu, uh, they're probably going to get along. So, yeah. 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 I envy it a little bit, just that uh, single-minded focus on one thing. Uh, you know, I have, I have too many disparate interests. I like too much stuff to pick just one and absolutely razor focus on that one thing full time. Um, I wish I could get in that kind of a groove. You know, I've, I've had tastes of it in the past, doing like, you know, bodybuilding contests and stuff like that where I got super focused. And yeah, it... It produces results. If you can get yourself in that headspace, it's a amazing it's what a, you can accomplish. Yeah, it's it, it it's a powerful feeling just to not let anything else bother you or even concern you. You know, you just focus on the one thing and you go after it. it feels good. Uh, then life happens and you get other interests. But yeah, it's a good place to be. Yeah. It's it's actually nice to get into your own zone of crazy too. You know, yeah. it, it, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. feels good to know that you're a little bit off your rocker because you're all in on something. Yeah. It's a good feeling. In, in a way, it makes things easier, at least I found, um, where I would often get comments of talking about discipline and dedication and, and all that. And from my side of it, it wasn't difficult because I already made that decision a while ago when I decided to do this thing. Mm. So all of the other temptations, that shit doesn't even register. You know, a piece of cake, that's not on my menu. Uh, that is, it doesn't exist to me. Mm. So I, I don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, I wish I could have that. That all goes away. Uh, and it's, it's a cool feeling if you can get that kind of focus going. 
Yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah, people are, you know outside of jujitsu and stuff are always like, "You're, you're so disciplined." It's like I, I just do my day. Like I made yeah. this decision a long time ago. Yep. Like as you said, like I just sometimes I just wake up and I just decide something, and that's it. That's just what I do. Um, it simplifies things so much once you get locked in. Yeah. Well, I love, I love Jocko. Willink, and he says, discipline equals freedom. Yep. And um, I mean, I think you could rephrase that as simplicity equals freedom because having the discipline to do things it does simplify things because this is what I do and I don't deviate or I deviate very little depending on what you're doing. And there's um, there's problems with that. There's tyrannical aspects of that. You know, I've personally been in, in my own life, I've been in situations where I was very disciplined about stuff. And it um, in my early 20s in it, I was actually too rigid and it was difficult to pull me out and I was quite depressed actually. And um, my girlfriend still stayed with me, even though she probably just left me cause I was insane. Um, but uh, she laughs about it now, but like I was so rigid about my, like my daily schedule and how I did things that when we started going together, she would come over after I got off work and I would like kick her out at like seven cause I needed to eat. And then I had like stuff I did after I ate, like I read and watched listened to music and then I went to bed. And like, I was so stressed about having some, someone, even though I liked her, of course, um, break up that routine. I was like, okay, you got to go. <laughs> this is, I swear to God. And this went on for like a, a while, like a good month or two. <laughs> she was like, okay. Well, if she stuck with you, man, you found and, a good girl. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, ever since then, I, I'm like, I fucking love you. Like, this is great. I don't know why you, I don't know why you stuck around. I the fuck you, <laughs> what you saw back then, but. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause it wasn't this. Yeah. I was very different then. <laughs> I've been on the That's other awesome. side of that where yeah. the person I was with was not really uh, personally very disciplined, didn't understand yeah. when you get locked into a program like that. And it's just mm -hmm. constant tension and stress. Yeah. Sucks. Sucks. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard thing to deal with. It um, That actually scared me away from getting super disciplined for a long time because I, I realized what it had, like how toxic it had been for me personally, for my mental health. And um, I was like, okay, well, I got to loosen up a bit. And, uh, you know, like, I think during that period, I hadn't, I hadn't drank on a weekday for like three years or something for like a long period of time. But I would drink heavily on weekends. I would just like binge drink. Cause it's like, I wanted to have a drink on like a Tuesday, but I couldn't do it cause it would fuck with work. Mm. And then, you know, like Friday night or Saturday night rolls around and it's like, well, I just bought like two bottles of wine from Safeway. So I'm going to drink alone until like three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta i was like i gotta relegate you know i gotta regulate this a bit and then uh as time goes on you kind of learn how to refocus that discipline in a way that's uh not so toxic right and uh and then you do stuff like you like you said you get bodybuilding shape which is mm -hmm. an, a crazy achievement by the way yeah yeah that's it's like nuts that's absolutely nuts and um you know a lot of what we're doing with our goals is you know guys who practice jujitsu is similar it's a similar focus it's mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. less focused because we have family and things outside of jujitsu for the most part but i mean we probably as i know sean and i um, or sean most in particular probably you probably study jujitsu more than anyone i know cool so, <laughs> i don't know what right, to say about right? that like it's, it's impressive though it's like i mean you, you put in a lot of time and like that's going to pay off over time it already has i mean um i remember when you first came into the gym and you're like hey i'm learning some new defensive stuff 
Oh shit. <laughs> you're like, you know, try and choke me or try and arm bar me or come on me. I'm like, okay. And then it was like easy. And I was like, I've never submitted Sean before. Like he got really bad all of a sudden. Like what the fuck? And then like this went on for a while and I was like, Sean's being weird. Like, I don't know why he's just giving me arm bars and necks and shit. And like one day you just like showed up and like, no, can't do it. Very tough. And it is tough. I mean, you still get me now though. I yeah, mean, it's you know. harder though. And I mean, I got to really try, which is a good thing. Like it makes yeah. me better. But I remember thinking like, okay, like you really put your feet to the fire with that. You were like, I'm going to, I'm going to really try and make this esoteric method of defense work. And, but I'm going to be super disciplined about it. Like for a long time. And, yeah. and then, you know, you're starting to see the fruition of it. And as you know, you come back more and train with other better guys than myself, it's still going to come to fruition. I mean, you're going to, you're going to start to just slip everything and people are gonna be like, fuck you, Sean. Are you doing the, uh, was it the Preet Mickelson yeah. stuff? Yeah. Preach I, shit? Yeah. I, I love, love the Preach shit. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of have my own take on a few different things though. Um, cause I, I, I mix in a lot of, uh, Gary Tonin stuff. And I also mix in a lot of Dana Hurst stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have, I'm starting to actually find a really good blend. Um, I still have holes, you know, but um, I feel really confident a lot of times giving up my back and just I'll, you know, put my neck up and like allow them just to go for it. I do this all the time. But yeah. Bo sees this. Dude, I do it all the time. Too. I love it. It's so it's, fun. It's, it's It actually makes it more of like a tag game. It's like, okay, can you get me? Because if you can't, I'm going to get out and we're going to spin <laughs> in. We're going in the leg. So it's it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw a value in, in the leg game uh, early on compared to where everybody else was that was around me. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and I put a heavy emphasis on it and I was begging everybody to get on board. Thankfully there was a few people that did so I could play, um, you know, and here we are. And I mean, my leg game's way behind where it, it actually should be, but at least I'm, I'm pretty comfortable there, you know, yeah. um, you know, with the preach stuff, you know, it's, it's hard. It's like, you know, somebody gets you inside control and all you have is a regard. All they do is they just block your head and your hip and you're fucked. You know, like you need a, a different answer rather than just like power bridging and then they just mount you. And now your, <laughs> your mount escape sucks because you're right back to like yeah. trying to hip escape. <laughs> you know, you're just like, you know, I mean, you'll get a really strong, like you'll get the strong booty muscles from all that. But <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just not worth it. You know, and a lot of the the most torture that I've been through has been literally just that battle of like me trying to go through their cross face with my face, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, trying to regard and get a knee in front of them. And then, you know, that whole bit, it's just that, that's just not a fun time. So if you can just skip all that shit, that that's a lot funner. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I totally agree. Once yeah. I started playing around with that stuff, um grappling with mark in particular because he's so good on top yeah Yeah. i just i don't even let him i'm like already turning into him before he even or away from him before he even gets to my head he'll pass my guard and i'm like i know where this is going i don't even i'll turn into him i don't care it's like okay we'll we'll start here let's see what happens Mm -hmm. and it's always better i'm not saying i get out all the time but it's always better it's way better than letting him get a cross face yeah oh it's brutal the pressure on that far shoulder and just like hold me there until he wants to mount yeah and it's like i don't like that 
Yeah. <laughs> if if you do something correct sometimes too, he'll just like look at you. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Now I have to go back a step and you're going to suffer, you know. Like, maybe I will armbar you now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, sure, before yeah. I was going to let you get out, but now I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, rolling with Mark is hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's hard, but it feels like you learn something every time and you never feel like he's going to hurt you. Like, even though it hurts, it's painful, it's not a fun time, but you, you're never, like, in in danger of going home with, like, a broken arm or something like yeah. that, you know? It always feels very slow and controlled, in my experience. Yeah. Steamrolls right on through, but everything's in control. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I like to use the term oppressive. That's, I, I think you, you guys are being too nice to Mar about Mark's game. I think oppressive is the right way to put it. He's just like, I just, I'm going to oppress you right now. That's an excellent compliment. Yeah. yeah. I would like to be known as being oppressive. The oppressor. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's the, Mark the oppressor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the oppressor. Yeah. With Dan, I feel like I'm being squeezed from all angles. Like just. <laughs> oh, excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Gumby yeah. snake. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, yeah. That, I, I don't think that, uh, I think one time you put me in, uh, like a body triangle, but you had mount. And I was like, how, <laughs> I was like, how the fuck did this happen? I think that you had a body triangle from guard and then I got swept mm. and then you ended up there and I was just like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> it was an awful time. I've only ever gotten a body triangle on one of the kids. I don't even, I can't even get you just keep on bringing it back to the kids. <laughs> this is the, like, like, the only ones I can do stuff with. I don't need your own kids to beat up. <laughs> No, I, I've I've tried with uh, I know that like the ang uh, the, the proper angle to make it work. Obviously, I'm having trouble with, and so uh, like I could probably do it with some smaller some smaller adults. But it's obviously easy with like ten year olds. It's the joke. I'm like oh, I'm really good. I'm really good at the back when I have this. <laughs> Ever tell you guys about when Brian got uh got a um a body lock a body lock on me? Mm -mm. He did. This is years ago. He. Uh, got one on me and I ended up like trying to turn and I went belly down and I, he like choked me and it, like it, life was just horrible. And afterwards he's like, he's like, wow, I've never gotten that on anyone before. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. He just walks off. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, well, he's like, nice job. I've never got that before on anyone. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be uncomfortable. And he's, he's smaller than me. So it's like super uncomfortable. Like he was <laughs> like, I could barely breathe the whole time. Like when even as he was locking it up, I was like, this is going to suck. Like I can't, I like let my air out to let him do it, you know? And, um, no fun. No, God, cooking the beans. Yeah. Sean, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, this is a bit old now, but the, uh, that Cade Ruotolo buggy choke. You fucks with the buggy choke at all? I don't, I'm not very strong, uh, with my, well, like when I'm trying to be more flexible, I'm not very strong in those positions, especially with my, my knee. I, right, I, yeah. I, I, well, both my knees, but, um, <laughs> I mean, it looks, it, it looks cool if it, if it, if it works, it works, but you know, I, I've watched a few defense videos on it and I could see how it's like, mm, there's, there's a, there's a lot going on that you could do to, to get out okay. is, is what, what it actually looks like. When I first saw it, I, I was like, oh yeah, he's locked up pretty good. But if you look at the the mechanics of it, the squeeze on it, it's kind of weird. So you're using like all the 
what you would call like the wrong muscles for a triangle. So you're using a lot of weak muscles with a reinforced frame with your arm. Mm -hmm. So you're using like your, your, uh, Susan Summer muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Thigh master. Yeah. yeah. Thigh master muscles. And, and, uh, and then mixed with a frame is what it, what it looks like. Um, a lot of times with like a triangle, you're actually aligning your knees and you're choking with your knees. Yeah. Um, so once you're able to basically beat that frame and you can do that by basically driving more towards their hip or, um, there's another way too. I just can't remember it, but basically it, it relieves the pressure, you know, but it does leave you in a compromised spot, but you can, you can do things there. So, um, you still have top position. You still have top position. You can also roll through, which is kind of weird to loosen things up. Okay. I, I saw somebody do that. It was like, they got like a tight, somehow rolled them up onto their side and got like a tight waist under their back and basically rolled through. And as they roll through it, it, it changes the angle enough so that you can loosen it up. I saw something like that. So, I mean, I've never, I've never been stuck in a buggy choke. So i I, I mean, I don't know, but it, it seems like when you're watching it and you see the mechanics of, of how it actually works, the, the escape is actually pretty much always there until the very, very, very end. Okay. Yeah. So I think that you'd have to be pretty damn good at it. So if somebody knows the escapes for it, I think it's just so new, you know, you catch somebody there and it's like, yeah. Yeah. What is the buggy choke? I'm not familiar with this. It's kind of. Is it that one where you're like in the top of side control and I like pull a leg over like um rubber guard? Yeah, kind of, well that you. you you might be thinking of the side control. You might be thinking of the fly trap also. Okay. Buggy choke is a little bit different. Actually, Blake, can you pull up that Cade Rotolo buggy choke? Well, Young, Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> Young Jamie. Young <laughs> Jamie. Yeah, I was because I had, when uh, when I saw it, I had never seen that before, and it seems like it's just out of the blue. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it looked pretty crazy. And it was made up by a white belt. No kidding. Yeah, it was made up by a white belt. He's like an MMA fighter or something like, or training to be an MMA mm-hmm. fighter. I don't know, but he was a white belt, and he was, and he actually is. He has a. What's that? Oh, like a YouTube video. Of uh, the buggy choke from Cade Rotolo. B U G G Y choke and Cade K A D E. Rotolo R U O T O O. Nobody's guessing on that one. <laughs> there it is. You could just fast forward to the end of the video. Yeah. Is the full, yeah, full match. Yeah, here we go. Uh, he's still on top. He's going to roll through. There's like a reversal that happens here. So how long has this been around? The buggy, ch- I, yeah. I don't know. I think. Like less than 10 years? I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. But it's just like catching on. And then I believe that Cade got taught by somebody in his gym. And then he really liked it and he just kept on catching a lot of people. But there's been a lot of, a lot of, um, videos because it was kind of the buzz for a little bit. 
on how to defeat it. And it seemed like some of the defenses were actually pretty legit. Yeah, here it comes. Here's the setup. Oh, fuck that. Nope. Yeah. My knee's not doing that. So for the folks listening, the guy was on bottom side control, grabbed his own leg to wrap it around. And that's a head and arm, right? Is that how that works out? Yeah. To pinch off a head and arm mm-hmm. and actually chokes the guy from the bottom. Very unintuitive. And doing it, the frames with the tricep, which is the weird thing about it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all the wrong spots, but it, <laughs> but it works. So I feel like the squeeze pressure, like the squeeze is what's got to make it work. Like you have to like really get a good squeeze. I don't see how else you're supposed to like, because you're basically compressing the shoulder through like you need to have like a, it'd be like doing a head and arm choke from the bottom of guard. Like it's the same thing. Like you need to get a pretty good squeeze to make that work. Usually, especially if someone's got a big shoulder, like you don't just lock it up like a rear naked and it works like the shoulders in the way. Yeah, the the triangle part is the part that I'm a little bit skeptical on because um, I know it works. It just seems like the horsepower isn't really, it's just not really there. You know, it's like a, it's a slow burn. Right. You know. I'm also not sure how my knees are going to feel about that. Yeah, I just focus on the escapes for for now. (laughs) You know, I mean, if, if, you know, I end up actually getting flexible knees at some point, (laughs) you know, get robot legs. Dude, I saw a video of a fella was doing rubber guard in a competition and his leg snapped. Oh, no. Oh, and I was like, nope. I, I was never interested in the 10th Planet stuff. I was like, now I'm definitely not. I'm not trying to do that. Where did it snap? Like at the knee. Like the leg just like moved just violently just towards him because he's pulling on it, you know, and you just see the whole thing just... So the joint separated or he actually broke bone? I think the joint separated. I don't know. I stopped watching. As soon as I saw <laughs> it, I was like, fuck that. Nope. Bye, Eddie. A- it's good knowing you, buddy. I don't know. I wish I was flexible enough to use that stuff. I mean, there there's a lot of value there. Yeah. Um, because if you're able to play an angled guard and then go to a, more of a flat guard like that and still control posture, there, I mean, there's a ton of value there yeah, being yeah. able to play flat. Um. You know, that's because that's so weird to me being able to play guard flat. Yeah. You know, that's one of my heaviest criticisms watching MMA. It's like I see all these flat guards. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's so upset about it. Yeah. 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 You know, ever since you started pointing that out to me, I've realized that if I'm ever flat in guard, I just get dominated. Yeah, they're winning. It doesn't matter who <laughs> it is. And I'm like, oh, this is why it's because I'm fucking flat. Yeah. Like, as soon as I turn an angle, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, I mean, it does to a degree, but, like, as soon as I turn an angle, like, it gets infinitely easier to control them. Yeah, it's an aggressive guard all yeah. of a sudden. You you have the flank now. You, yeah. You've got the angle. Yeah. And uh, crazy. I have a question for you, Sean. Okay. You're whipping out the phone, so I yeah. know that this is going to be it a, down. a <laughs> rough I, one. I actually have two questions, but I'm going to ask this one, and then maybe we'll get to the second one um, if we don't run out of time. So... Eddie Bravo, and this is what made me think of it because we're talking about the, the, um, the rubber guard. He has a famous quote where he talks about how jujitsu is a filter for douchebags. There's actually this nice little like video that's made up with uh, um, him and uh, um, Joe Rogan talks about it. 
John Donahar, on the other hand, has mentioned his his personal belief that jujitsu doesn't actually change people. It just sort of make, amplifies their personality. And then you have someone who's nice or an asshole who just now knows how to kill people. And so I'm curious <laughs> your opinion on on this, where where you fall on this. Um. Well. So on 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 Eddie on Eddie's point, I see where he's coming from, and overall, I as a blanket statement, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? I, I I've seen tons of people come in, and they're like, they come in for basically like a challenge match, you know, whoever it is, and then you know it's like, you know, roll with the blue belt, and then the blue belt just completely destroys them, and then you know we've all seen that shit happen, right? Um, you know, to people listening that haven't ever witnessed this this is totally a thing (laughs) (laughs) so so uh you know they get embarrassed because a lot of times they bring in their friends or whatever sometimes it ends up getting a lot more heated you know and then things get real bad um and those people don't stick around the people that end up being douchebags are the people that recognize that they could basically have the power that this other person has if they're able to endure it right and you see this a lot with um just people that have have actually had to do hard shit before but they're still douchebags mm-hmm. yeah right so they're so they know that they can get through the grind so they get through the grind now they have special skills and now they can become you know whatever whatever they want you know they they have the choice now every day to be the bully you know so um overall i i think that that's just to make it real short i think that that's that's about where it sits i agree with that yeah it's a filter but it's not a perfect filter yeah it's definitely a filter yeah i think guys like uh, like sean strickland i think is a great example because he appears to me like a fucking bully douchebag 100 percent Sean Strickland. Who's Sean Strickland's an MMA fighter. He the uh, viral clip that went around a little bit ago was uh, Orlando. Something. Oh, the guy that he he gave the yeah, little gave short him, arm bar yeah, thing. Yeah, arm thing. Yeah. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for the folks listening, there was a clip of two guys uh, kind of sparring, and one guy is much much larger, but you know they're going even. But it starts to heat up a little bit, and the larger guy basically does a little bit of a shoulder wrench type action to him just to to check the energy and back him off a little bit. And the other guy, the smaller guy, gets really pissed off about it, and they almost actually go you know go to blows. And then he gives a response afterwards, talking to the internet on his uh, Twitter or Instagram, whatever it was, and just kind of laid out what a douche he actually is. Mm-hmm. Like he sounded like a, uh, a high school bully. But the fact of the matter is he does know how to fight. He is a talented fighter. He, he looked great uh, in his last fight. And I think he's, he's actually the, uh, you know, the, the proof that the, the second piece of what Sean was saying is absolutely true. He, he can go through the grind and get some skills but he's still a douchebag. Yeah. Now he's getting paid to be a douchebag. 
But yeah, it didn't help his personality at all. <laughs> I mean, look at Conor McGregor. I was going to ask if he felt like <laughs> Conor McGregor. Is it? You know, I mean, I love his left hand, but the rest of him, he can, yeah, he can go fuck himself. Yep. I heard a, a line by Khabib, and this I don't think this will ever, like, I'll never forget this. He's like, in reference to Conor, he's like, his legacy is money. My legacy is to smash. Smash. <laughs> to <Yeah>. smash. <laughs> and I was like, that is so hard. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. That's fucking brutal. That's classic. And I, I think that it's interesting because he does bring up a good point there. Like, as Connor got money and fame, I think you can kind of see that it's changed him a bit or it's kind of brought out the douchery in him, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then you have someone like Khabib who's just kind of like quiet and under the radar and, just kind of goes about his business and yeah i mean you you see like the training videos with him and dc just like fucking around talking shit to each other and yeah. stuff like that like there's a lot of love there you know yeah. what i mean yeah. and they're they're all working hard and if dc's not working hard he's like you eat too many cheeseburgers you know <laughs> he's like <laughs> you know he's like come run with us you know and he's you know he really cares about his coaches and stuff yeah. like that you know yeah. it's a it's a cool thing um for him to be an implant at I think it's AKA, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was then. Uh, DC has his own thing now. I don't know if. Oh, he does. I didn't know that. Yeah, he just got his new gym. I don't know okay. if it's his own like affiliation or how how that's all working out. But, but yeah, I don't know. K- Khabib seems like a a really just a solid guy all altogether, and for him to show up and just put on a beating like he did and talk in the cage the way he did <laughs> and like it was for real and yeah. and uh yeah that that was probably the most emotion i felt in a fight in a really really long time i was very much invested in that yeah. one i was like <laughs> oh my gosh it's crazy one of the things i uh this is the impression i've gotten at least from uh from gordon is that uh he doesn't seem to he seems to care so much about the team, the the death squad and all that, um, to the exclusion of the fame and the money and things that he's getting. And he's talked about that in podcasts like Ad Nauseam and interviews about how it's not really about the money per se for him. It's about it for everybody. That's Mm -hmm. probably why he talks shit on social media is it's, if I talk shit and I generate interest, then me and the other person I fight make more money. Everyone does better. And it kind of reminds me of that mindset uh, that Khabib has or a similar mindset or at least the one that Connor doesn't have and that he's not letting that shit get to him. He's still got his eye on a different prize and it allows him, I think, to stay grounded even with the money, right? Because he's got all the money he could ever want. He could easily just do whatever the fuck he wants and then someone's going to show up and beat the shit out of him because he gets soft. And I think that it's interesting to see him once I heard him really, cause I, I just thought he was just a big douchebag. I never really heard a podcast he'd done. And I see all his in, Instagram shit. And I'm like, he's just a tool. He's, you know, he's the douchebag who's really good and no one can shut him the fuck up. And then I listen to him do a podcast and I'm like, oh, no, no, this is just, this is about making everyone more money. This is about like bringing an awareness to the sport. No one's going to shut this dude up. Cause he like, doesn't give a shit about that. He cares about getting better. Mm-hmm. whatever that means like even if that means just getting better at social media he's like i because it's just gonna bring make the sport even bigger and bigger it's very interesting yeah and when you hear him talk he's he's like uh because he's all about being a professional yep. right like train like a professional be a fucking professional right and um 
he's like, man, you know, you're going to look at my fights in 10 years and you're going to be like, man, Gordon sucked. He's like, he's like, look, I do suck. Like straight up. I am the king of all the amateurs right now. <laughs> you know, he's like, when this becomes a professional sport, this is going to be completely different. He's like, you look at wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. These guys, they all, there isn't anybody that gets on a team and doesn't compete. Everybody competes. Yeah. Everybody does it. Everybody's trying to reach that highest level. The people that are slacking, they get kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's at a non-pro level. Yeah. You know, I, I can't think of any high school wrestler or middle school wrestler that didn't compete. That's what you do. And yeah. yeah, that's part of it. That's part of your training. You yeah. know, I mean, think about it like from basketball, right? Like you go play high school basketball and like you don't play any games. <laughs> you know, like that's that sounds ridiculous, right? I trained you just so I just don't roll. Yeah. Well, I mean, as long as you get a trophy at the end of the day, it's fine, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that's really all I had for questions. I have one other question, but I'll ask you off air. Ask me, you can ask me on air. It's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, go for it. So I'm curious what it was like um, having a mom who was a professional pool player. Oh. It was, it was a very random question. That's what, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, let's switch. Let's, let's, question it, was like a, it was no. like a totally random one. <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm intrigued. I, uh, I stumbled across a video on YouTube randomly. <laughs> and okay. you were in it. I was in it? As like a teenager. Oh, and shit. I was like, that's Sean. Sean's mom is a local billiards player who's well known wow. in this area. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, I grew up a lot in pool halls and in bars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> so when it comes to that, wherever your your local scene is, basically, you'll have your circuit that you run, right? Because there's all these local tournaments. That's how you basically make your money, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you might make, you know, a hundred or 200 bucks a night over here. Then you go on to the next tournament the next day over here. Maybe there's a daytime tournament over here, right? And basically you have your seven day schedule, right? Um, if, if you're able to make it all seven days because you have work as well, mm-hmm. right? And she had kids, right? So, but that would, that would be the ideal for her is to go compete in tournaments seven days a week. And then basically you save up whatever amount of money that you can. And then you go to, you know, Vegas as many times as there are, you know, big money games. And then you also have your side hustle games and you have your spotters that basically pay your way in that believe in you. And, you know, there's handicaps and all that shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, my mom was a pro. She was, uh, she was the first house pro for the Jillians down in, uh, in Seattle. Um, so because of that, and it was the first real billiards place around and it, it, there was kind of this, uh, I don't know, it was a a class type of thing, like, you know, like classy people would go there. Right. So, so she would like bring home celebrities sometimes and stuff like that. Like, uh, like, you know, that, uh, that she drives me crazy you know that song or whatever just like randomly i wake up and like you know you know he's like you know hey me so and so i don't know his name you know and it's just like (laughs) you know i got to meet all the top pros like the black widow and all those people 
uh, back then and the librarian and all the top female players. And then my stepdad, he's also a pro. He was, uh, he's, his name's uh, Mike Zimmerman. And he, he, uh, he was really big in pool. He didn't even have a job until I think he was about 40 and oh, was wow. working at a pool hall. So he, he, he ran a life of basically out of cars to basically find different hustles to go on and, you know, so they taught me at a young age how to play pool, got a pool table in the, in the garage. And we had this like 40 pound cinder block thing that it, it wasn't a cinder block. It was like a block of actual concrete with handles on the side that I had to drag around the, the thing. So like I had shoulders when I was like three, and then <laughs> it's like, but cause to finish a game, I mean, you know, you'd be sweating. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and then there was a community college up the road. So to, to earn money when I was a kid, like my friends had paper routes and all these different things. Like if I wanted to eat, um, like anything good, you know, I'd, I'd have to, you know, go to the college campus, go to the hub and actually go and hustle college kids. So, wow, yeah. So that's, that's like, that's kind of what it was like, uh, growing up. Yeah. You know, and I'd tell my mom all my hustling stories and she'd be like, that's my son, you know, know. so, you know, and she'd give me pointers on how to hustle them, you know, like, you know, don't lay all your cards out right, right away. Like make it close, you know, let them win one, you know, make sure that they have the time before you let them win one. And then you start upping it up in front of them when there's an audience, Mm -hmm. you know, so that they have face to lose if they turn you down, you know, stuff like that. She was she was in my ear all the time, like talking about that type of stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, that's how I grew up. How, how do you spot a good mark? Um, to be honest, I just watch people's games and I just look at their stroke. So most people just it, it looks like they it looks like they're sledgehammering something, and their wrist is very uh, it's very tight, like they're making a fist, and it doesn't their their shoulder, elbow, and wrist and fingers don't all fall in a line. Um, so I know that their their shots are going to be inconsistent. And if their shots are inconsistent, they're not thinking about spin. They're not thinking about the rails. They're not thinking about setting up their shots. They're only thinking about making that one shot and wherever the cue ball goes, it's wherever it goes. And those were the guys that I'd be able to take on because I knew enough so that I could think, you know, three shots ahead. Because the whole game is based around having your cue ball wherever it ends up. You know, you got to make your ball, but wherever the cue ball goes, that's that's the control of the game. So, um, so you always want to set it up so that you're thinking at least you know three, four shots ahead on where your ball should be, so that you don't end up on the wrong side of the ball, and you want backup plans to that. So, wow, I just went on a whole tangent about that, but yeah, that that's was cool as shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I grew up. Do you uh, play anymore? Um, I still have a cue stick. Uh, I keep it in the back of my car. I whip it out every once in a while. It's usually like when my mom comes into town and she's like, Hey, let's play a game and stuff. And you know, obviously, you know, she just beats the fuck out of me, you know, know, but it's good fun. It's good fun. You know? Uh, yeah, that's about it. Did you ever think about, uh, becoming professional at it or anything or? I mean, I, I, I entered in tournaments. I, I won a few just like, you know, shithole tournaments and stuff like that, you know. 
uh, I got a little bit serious when I was in Oregon for a little bit um, because they moved down to Oregon. And so they just, you know, took me around like a little, you know, like little son and just, you know, hey, you know, come to the tournaments with us and hang out in bars. And, you know, I I remember once I ended up making it to the finals against my stepdad and I was like, oh, shit. And he's like, yeah, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because he's way better than my mom. So it's like there's there's levels. She's very, very good and she understands the game and she's a better teacher. Whereas he just basically goes out, he understands the feeling and he'll just go out and wreck shop on everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn. I got my, my only two tournament story. Um, I, I never played a lot, a lot. Me and a buddy entered a small bar tournament. Yeah, little, yeah. little nothing. And uh, it was single elimination. Teams, so me and my buddy and a couple other dudes... Uh, they pull up, I think it was flip a coin for the break or however that worked out. They got the break. Um, guy breaks and he drops a solid, but he didn't like the lay. So he just went and dropped every other stripe. Just ran the table. I literally didn't get even approached the table in single elimination. That's it. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, <laughs> it was actually worth it just to see the performance and be like, wow. Okay. That's, it's like yeah. a, like a very gentle and quick choke out. It's like, oh, okay, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Y'all having a great day. And uh, yeah, get to go home early. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, there's some there's some real talent. Sometimes you just walk into a random bar and, you know, you see people playing, but there's actual talent and they're just randomly there. Mm-hmm. That actually happens a lot more frequently than people think. You know, you're just at some hole in the wall, you know, but, you know, it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> the good players got to drink somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like uh, a lot of the good players, they try to stay sober as much as they can, you know, throughout the, throughout the gambling, you know, they, the, the bar players that, cause there's like a, a different set of rules between like Vegas and, and uh bar type of style play mm-hmm. bar is a lot more sloppy. Um, you can, get away with a lot more things. I don't want to get into details, but um, where Vegas rules are much more crisp and you have to know what you're doing. So when you're, say, somebody that's more of a Vegas player and you walk into a bar play, a bar player, the bar player is always going to talk shit to you. You know, that's how we play in, in my tavern. You know, so, it's like, you know, so, so you know, the, yeah, I've, I've had some good times with those people. <laughs> um yeah so i i hope that answers your question that, does, that was awesome <laughs> okay yeah that's fascinating shit. Like i, said, I, I randomly came across that and i thought i was like i i've been waiting like uh like a year to ask you about this oh my gosh you could have just like called me and asked me you know <laughs> no so it was i i found out like shortly after uh um or right around the time we started the podcast then we had you on and i was like i was gonna ask you like the first time but we were talking about i don't remember what I was like, I want to ask him on air just because I think it'd be a fun thing to like talk about. It's figured it'd be kind of cool. And uh, and then I forgot about it for a while and uh, through COVID. But and then I just I remembered when we set this up, I was like, I'm going to uh, rewatch that uh, that video and then ask him about this. Send me a link to that. I'm yeah. curious to see that. Uh, yeah, send me that link. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious to see that. It uh, was uh, 
it was just a, it was like a um a news story that the local news had done on your ma. Oh yeah, and we ate spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? I couldn't tell exactly what you were eating, but um, yeah, we yeah, some, yeah, yeah. No, they they came to our house like yeah. uh, at least I want to say like four times. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. To just do like an inside thing on my mom. Yeah, and I only recognized that it was you because I had seen there's a there's a photo in the the news thing of you and your ma and I, well, you a sister, I think, right? And I've seen that photo. I think you have it on your Facebook. And so I recognized the photo and I was like, that's fucking John. Oh, what man. the fuck? And so oh, I like pulled up Facebook was like, oh my God. <laughs> so that's random. crazy. You know, and my, my dad was on like the complete other side of things. Like he was, he was kind of like a, he was a very artsy person, but he was also a triathlete. Mm-hmm. So like when she's out playing pool, he's in the basement training, right? Oh, wow. So it was like it was two different worlds, man. Yeah, it's a different yeah. atmosphere all around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you get your dedication from both parents. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know. You know, that's how it works, right? Right. <laughs> I feel kind of weird that like I'm putting out like all my family shit out right now. Yeah. But yeah. Well, your mom's stuff was on the news apparently, so that's open. Yeah, so that's true. It's yeah, it's open season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, what were your parents like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't ask me. We won't do that one on air. Bo, you are welcome to talk about your parents. No. no that's, that's all that I had was to ask you about, about that. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. We've talked about my dad quite a bit on the podcast. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, my mom's great. I love you, mom. She'll be listening to this probably in a couple of days. And so uh, she's, uh, I think, one of the few people who listens. I think she actually just got my grandmother to figure out how to, like, uh, use a computer and, like, listen to this stuff. Oh. And so, uh, which is funny because this is be our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So I think she's going to listen to it. This might be the first one she ever listens to. She's going to be like, fuck. She got all set up for this. Jeez. <laughs> one time. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be happy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. When I said, when I found that out, I was like, that's, I gotta, I gotta hear about that. You know, I, I've always liked playing pool. I'm horrible. I've never only, only ever done it recreationally. Like, um, you know, probably most people, but it's always a lot of fun. And I actually like watching billiards. Um, which is how I came across that I was watching um, uh, Efren Reyes, the magician, mm. yeah. on YouTube. Because like I'll go down like rabbit holes of random stuff, and like some one day I was like, I really want to w- watch the pool. I was kind of bored, and I knew who he was, and so I was watching it. And then like there was like this random video of this, you know, lady pool player, and uh, I was like, that's an interesting name. That's that's the name of Wonder Woman. Like okay, so I click on it, and I was like. The, I didn't know she played pool. Wonder Woman, like the original from the seventies, is Linda Carter, yeah. and um, and I click on it, and it, it's not her, obviously. And so I'm like watching this like little video, and then in the middle of it, I'm like, we're like four minutes in or something. It's like I see your like thirteen year old your face, and I'm like, that looks familiar. And then I see the picture, and I'm like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> Fuck you, YouTube and your algorithms. Like <laughs> it just like randomly chose. Them. Oh man, that's funny. Um. You know, especially because he spotted me as a kid and how much he likes to throw around kids. <laughs> like, wow. <it's> like, <laughs> Do they still play? Your parents? Mm, oh, yeah. 
Oh or yeah, like professionally, that's their gig. Or um, I don't know if if they're technically professionals now. I know that my mom she she plays as a grandmaster, and I think that's an age thing. So it's kind of like the IBJJF. If you got masters or whatever, okay. so you aren't hanging out in the pool of the of the monsters, the new monsters coming up anymore, yeah. right? So I, I guess she isn't, or but I always hear about her about to start on a pro tour. So it, she's got so much stuff going on. I can't keep up. So at what point does age even make a difference? Um, well, I mean, she has a hard time getting over the table now. Okay. You know, she's just, she has a lot of injuries. She's got like, uh, both of her rotator cuffs are bad. She's, her knees bad, you know, so like on her break, it affects her break. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, okay. there's just, you know, and she's shorter, you know, if, if she was a longer person than or taller person longer, she could get longer on the table. So she wouldn't have to reach so much. So like she has different types of bridges. So she'll have, she has like a telescoping bridge that instead of it being like hard plastic for the, for the bridge, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a nylon, uh, rope like wire type of thing hmm. so it actually sits in place and it, it it can adjust different angles and stuff like that because she, she's such a short player she's like five five foot five foot one something okay. like that so yeah. so for her to reach stuff that's in the middle of the table and it's a nine foot table mm -hmm. like there's there's just no way yeah you know and the thing is this really just i'm just gonna bring this up right now because this is the only time i'm ever gonna bring this up um so in Washington, the standard for us is eight feet for a pool table, which is really interesting because it's only in Washington, from my understanding. So like the standard for like professional is nine feet, mm -hmm. right? But what they call bar boxes in every other state are seven feet. So they made this eight foot, which is basically a hybrid. So you could go play on seven or eight, right? So that you'd have the reasoning behind it is, is that you know you still have the room to get around a bar box because a bar box is much tighter so you run into your balls all the time when you're actually trying to run a table yeah <laughs> yeah you run into your balls blake I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh uh and then you know it also gives you the sight so that you can you can make balls that are are uh, really long and have to stroke real long <laughs> god damn it <laughs> So that, 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 so Washington's a little bit gonna different. listen to this. Oh, shit, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Grandma. I love you. I'm sorry. That was Grandma. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Continue. Jeez. No, that's it. That's it. I learned something. I thought there was only two different sizes of table, at least in general. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Washington's a weird place. Yes, it is. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I assume the, the bar box is just so you can cram more in there. If they're, yeah. If it's pay to play, might as well get as many tables in as you can. Yeah. Makes sense, so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So. Dropping pool facts. Yeah. <laughs> Bow your belt's uh, cracking me up. Yeah. Yeah. I spilled water too. I did too, actually. Yeah, at like I, the very beginning. I did it. I've done it twice. I don't know how. I think it's the microphone just like messing with my ability to. Bo's got a hole in his lip. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. But thank you. My belt looks good. <laughs> It is. That is yeah. a very square knot. Thank you. It's a super knot. This is how I usually look at my house. So, so other than uh, <laughs> just walk around with my belt on. 
other than DDS, uh, what are some of the bigger jiu-jitsu players that you're they're kind of on your radar, just in general, you're paying attention to? Um, so, uh, Roberto Jimenez, if I'm saying that correctly, I really like that, uh, I, I tend to not like players that, that are very cagey and don't open up and all that stuff I, and play for whatever. I like people that throw themselves in the fire and he definitely does that yeah. and everybody respects him for it. And he's getting way better. Yeah. You know, as soon as he got his black belt, he didn't do what most black belts do and take like maybe one or two matches or no matches and wait till they're good enough. Right. But he did is he, I think he competed something like 30 times or something like that and mm -hmm. was against like everybody. Mm -hmm. He went against everybody his first year, you know, um, which is insane. And he lost a lot, but he's like, I don't give a fuck. This is just, it's just what it is. He's like, my main goal is to, is to get good enough. So I have notoriety in jujitsu and then transition to MMA, which he's definitely doing now. So, okay. so he, uh, he actually went against Gordon just because he was like, who, who I forget who he was going to go against, but they pulled out or something. Yep. And then, uh, or maybe, maybe Gordon filled in. I don't remember how it worked out. Maybe he was going to fight Nikki. I, I don't know. But basically, he still, he still brought it. Yeah. That you was know. a fun fight to watch. Yeah. That was awesome. And he, he, I think he was short notice too. It was only like mm -hmm. a, a few weeks yeah. at the most. And he was, and he's also given up like 30 or 40 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. How you feel about going up against uh, Jordan, basically? Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, that was that was nuts. Um, he he actually did really well in the the three man team. Um, what am I trying to say? The Polaris. Polaris yeah. The uh, the squad thing. The third one. He did really good. Um, he he actually. So there is. So the scoring is weird on that one. And there's a there's a different type of gamification for that thing because everybody, you know, they, they actually show the weight difference on it. I think you're allowed like so many pounds per team. Mm -hmm. They're going off of kilograms, but pounds per team. And basically, if you fight somebody that's like, I think it's one or two weight classes above where you're at, if you win by submission then you get three points. But that other person that's bigger than you, they can only get one point for beating you. Okay. So, like yeah, so it's really weird. So they have these really weird matchups and people go, it's not like one and done type of thing. You, you have to keep fighting, right? So if you're unable to continue, then the other team gets those points, right? Yeah. When it, whichever way it goes. So, uh, yeah, he, he ended up, uh, going against this guy who I was actually really impressed from uh, the UK Ireland team because uh, he was a heavyweight but he moved like a like a middleweight I mean he was he was rolling through he, all of his leg entanglements were extremely educated uh, and he, he was just a bigger guy he didn't move like it though it's scary as shit when you see that you know um, very technical and he finally got matched up against Roberto and Roberto just rolled through and just choked the shit out of him right away. I mean, he, he has some really cool, um, rolling back takes. Now I'm going to actually study a little bit because I, I actually think that Chris would like it a lot. Mm -hmm. The, the type of stuff, it, it would match his style very, very well, actually with just 
leg position and upper body position, but, um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, him. <laughs> um, no, there's, there's a lot of good guys right now. I, I wish that some of what, what I actually wish is that I know that there's a lot of up and comers right now and everybody's kind of chasing, uh, because there's this new style out now and the the information's out so everybody's drilling and doing all the new stuff so they're getting ahead of the belts that are that are uh in their school so i i can understand that um but what i would like to see is like some of these older guys that are already established have super fights like i'd love to see like neil melanson like go against fucking anybody yeah you know or travis stevens actually in a jujitsu match you know, like I, I would love to see that shit. You know that that would be much more interesting to me than like whoever's coming up because I'm gonna watch them for the next you know five to ten years. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Not to, not to not to like throw your question no, away or anything cool. like that, but I I don't really I don't know really who I'm I'm following. You know, everybody that I'm following, it seems like they've been in the game for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, um, except for that one new kid, the um, Mika Galval. Oh yeah, that that kid's yeah. He's kind of exploding on the scene, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I don't. He's seventeen, seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, he, yeah. And he's built like he was made out of steroids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what so probably is made out of steroids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, Neil Melanson and Jocko. Ooh, Ooh catch yes. versus catch. Yeah, yes, that'd be fun. Yeah. I watched uh, Jocko fight against. Um, oh fuck! What was his name? Um, was it Chris Monson? Oh, uh, the old school, like super big heavyweight ADC winner. Yeah, he's like three hundred pounds, and he he ran over Jocko. But he's also got a hundred pounds on him. Sure. Um, but I saw them do a fight, and he he did okay. Was uh, it Gi or no Gi? No, it was no Gi. Um, but that the guy was obviously very much bigger, and he was good. He, um, yeah, I think it'd be kind of fun to see those two. Yeah, I don't, uh, Jeff Monson. Jeff Monson, that's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if he's still going at it or not, but I would imagine that Jocko would take him now because Possibly. I think that his skill level is, has gone up mm-hmm. considerably since then. I mean, I'm I know sure, that yeah. he's still training like a shitload, so. Oh, yeah. And training with Dean Lister, I can't imagine you get worse. Yeah, that'd be it. <laughs> that's so ridiculous to say. Well, dude, and along those lines, man, Jocko and the War Master, love to see that. Oh yeah, um, Josh Barnett. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Him and Travis Stevens would be fun because they're both from Washington. Ooh, I didn't know Travis Stevens was from Washington. Yeah, he's from down mm-hmm. south. Um, yeah, he, Tacoma area. Yeah, Lakewood. That's Lakewood, where he yeah. had the. That's where he had that place where uh, Brent yeah. used to train with all the junior Olympians and all that yeah, yeah. stuff and like. Anybody trained judo, they'd they'd go there. They'd go to this, like, I don't know if it was like a YMCA or some type of community center, but they, I mean, they were just, I mean, they weren't like Olympians, but they were, they were all very, very good. Yeah. So. No, that'd be cool. Like a battle for the apple or something or some stupid name like that. You just like call it that (laughs) and then like promote it. It's like this Washington thing. Yeah. Old dudes. That'd be pretty sweet. I'd buy it. Yeah. And they have very disparate games too. Mm-hmm. Um, very, but they're both very explosive and very good. Um, be a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to watch that one. <laughs> I'd love to watch that one. I mean, I was psyched when, um, 
I, I think it was Metamorris when when Dean went up against uh him. Huh? Was it Keenan? No, uh Dean went up against against uh Josh Barnett. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. And then he he ended up getting him with that like compression That's right, yeah. scarf hole thing, yeah. Yeah. That was a terrible way to go out. I mean, he had he hadn't been submitted for so long and then got beat by pressure. I was like, "Oh, man." I don't know, man. You got the war master on top of you. It's going to be tough to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That guy that guy's crazy. Yeah. Epic. Well, how are we doing on time? Where are we at? Do we know? Uh, two and a half hours. Two hours. Oh, oh, geez. I thought it was like an hour. All right. No, two hours. Well, should we wrap it? Yeah. Whatever you guys want to do. Let's wrap it. Okay. We done did it. We did it. We, we did, did 50. It. We have finished 50 episodes. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us for our 50th. Hell yeah. yeah Hell yeah. Thanks well, for having me on. Dude, of this course. This was very cool. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, um, we are deciding after we have fifty to uh, call it uh, call it for a bit. Yeah. We'll take a little break. Um, we may or may not come back in a uh, different incarnation of the podcast. But uh, I think Bo and I both have um, said what we want to say. Said what we want to say, and kind of had the uh, the therapeutic exercise of talking about current events for the last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, ready to explore different topics and ideas and, and stuff like that. So yeah, and we'll come back yeah. with video so that everyone can see how good looking I am, <laughs> and that'll drive the views up. Yep, mm. perfect, so, perfect. We're going viral, people. We're going viral. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all so, listen and can't don't know this, but I'm a good looking motherfucker. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Hide your wives. <laughs> well, we're gonna so, rule the world. <laughs> oh gosh. I so, could, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. What were you say? Oh, I was just gonna say, say that I could definitely imagine your girlfriend who knew that you were just like this uh, very uptight person, but like you <laughs> now walk around your house buck naked with your purple belt on. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should admit this. Sorry, but, Grandma. But, so, sorry, Grandma. I should, probably should admit this, but I have done that actually. So. <laughs> oh gosh. Note my lack of surprise. Yes. <laughs> So I told a story, I'll end with this, okay. Um, when I first started, it took me a long time to figure out how to properly tie the belt. Like, d there were different, so I went through all the different, you know, you look all the different knots you can tie, and I tried to figure them out, and the belt was new, and so it was hard to tie, and I'd bought um, a, a, a Gracie Gee from, like, the, the Gracie store with their belts, and they're built a little bit thicker than, like, the crappy belts you get, so they're, like, it takes a long time to break them in. So they didn't stay tight. So I would actually just wear the belt around and untie it and tie it to break it in so that it would tie. Because it kept coming undone. It was pissing me off. After like six months of doing this, I would just, I developed a habit of putting my belt on in the mornings. To, and then I just like five years later, I just, I'd still do it. It's just a <laughs> habit that I do. I don't need just like developed it. Like my girlfriend makes fun of me and I, all the time. And I just like, I just do it now as a habit. And it's like hard to break. Sometimes I'll do it and I'm like, What's wrong? I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing my belt. And I'm teaching the kids' classes once with, with Brian. And I, I made some offhand joke about wearing my belt at home. And uh, and all the kids and Brian, everyone laughed. And I was like, other people don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't wait till you have dementia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that I stop wearing my belt. <laughs> yeah. pro, pro tip, if if you're having trouble getting your knot just right, measure it out, have it already tied, and like basically <laughs> skinny it down and then wash it with it tied, and it fixes it. It's done. Mm, yeah. And it'll be there forever. That's good to know. <laughs> I just went for the super lock, the Henner super lock mm-hmm. on that one. I tried that yep, for a while, but it took too long. I don't like how long it takes to tie it. I don't know how to tie it anymore. Like <laughs> it takes a little bit of practice, guy. I've in in so since I came back to jujitsu, it's been off and on, but it's been what seven years now, whatever. I've had my belt come undone while rolling twice. So yeah. stays tied. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's it for my embarrassing story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's what I do. John Donner's got rush cards. I got to belt. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we want to thank you for coming along on this journey of uh, 50 episodes of talking shit and politics and jujitsu and everything else. Yeah. And we want to wish you a good morning, afternoon, or evening, whichever it may be for you. Bye, bitches. Take care. (laughs) Bye, Grandma. (laughs) 